Hey everybody, it is Monday at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, my name is Andre. I am both host and founder uh, for BSTL. What does BSTL stand for? It stands for Building Something That Lasts. So I hope you guys are doing well, uh, slowly but surely. I am getting better day by day, week by week. And so again, I just want to thank you all uh, for your prayers and your thoughts towards me. Um, as we continue on our journey. So I want to get right into it today. Uh, today's uh, podcast is entitled, Every Leader Needs to Have a Balanced Ecosystem. Every Leader Needs to Have a Balanced Ecosystem. So many years ago, I was uh, heading off to a college university at the time out of country. Uh, and on my journey, uh, coming up the 401 going west, those of you that are in Toronto, you know exactly where it is. Uh, those of you that are from another country, maybe this will be a fun way for you to Google the 401 highway and get a sense of where we are here in Ontario, uh, in the city of Toronto. So anyways, I'm about two or three hours into my trip and I'm heading towards Windsor, uh, Detroit, that border. And as I'm traveling, um, it's the fall season, I can see um, off to the right-hand side as I'm traveling, as I move further away from the city and I'm now hitting uh, the rural areas, there's like this farmland. And when I look to the right, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe because it was going to be like a 14-hour drive, I needed some things that were going to distract me. So as I look off to the right-hand side, I can see that there's a cornfield um, and in this cornfield, it, it would seem as though there are some other uh, things that are being grown there, but definitely there's corn is a majority of what is, is there. And of course, there's some trees, large trees that are on the outside of the field, as well as there are some that are in the middle of this uh, farming field. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that experience has kind of set or stayed in my mind uh, for many years, and I've thought about it, I've talked about it in different spaces, and of course, I want to share it here. So what I don't know, because I'm not a farmer, uh, I don't even know that I have a green thumb, um, I, I later on go on to kind of investigate, and of course, one of the things that I love about the internet is the fact that you can figure anything out, like you don't have to have an MBA in farming in order to just figure out some things. So what I learned is that in this particular field that I would have noticed where there's corn, maybe a little bit of wheat, but, you know, predominantly corn and there's some trees that are on the outside of the field, as well as there are some big trees that are located in the middle of the land. What I learned is that in these cornfields, farmers will often um, you know, they will often plant different crop as well as different types of trees with different rooting systems um, because they kind of are working in conjunction or in tandem uh, with one another, right? So big trees have deeper roots, and because they have deeper roots, uh, these trees are there to not just bring shade on the outskirts, but they're also there uh, to prevent uh, wind uh, and soil erosion, and some other things. And of course, because they have deeper roots, they have a way of bringing up some of the moisture into the field, especially when uh, there may not be a lot of rain. So it's a whole like scientific thing, right? Like I wish I had more time uh, to talk about this, but this is not a farming podcast. Uh, this is a leadership podcast. 
So basically what I learned by the time I get to the end of my trip and I begin to just kind of seek this thing out and, and research it, I finally come to understand that really the farmer, whoever it is that owns that uh, piece of land, they have literally created an uh, entire uh, ecosystem that will create moisture, that will create shade, that will prevent uh, wind erosion, that will keep the soil moist in off seasons, et cetera, et cetera. And, and those are just some of the few things that I learned about it. So as I'm thinking about this thing from a leadership perspective, I think one of the things, and maybe we're talking a little bit about team building today, a little bit about uh, collaboration. One of the things that I have discovered is that we don't do enough as leaders to create um, healthy ecosystems. So let me just throw this out here so we can get it out the way. Um, an unhealthy ecosystem is not just something that is toxic. And I need to say that out loud, right? Because whenever we think about an environment where people need to run and they need to hide and they need to, you know, transfer out or quit or move along, we often think about an imbalanced um, environment as something that's toxic. But maybe I want to just push a little bit further uh, beyond that and maybe suggest that it is possible to have a harmonious environment where people are happy, uh, they enjoy coming to work, and yet they are completely unproductive because they don't make for a great ecosystem. So what do I mean by this? You know, in my younger years of, you know, doing hiring and firing and, and trying to bring people into organizations that would hopefully fit with what we were trying to do, you know, back then when I was maybe not as experienced as a leader, you often look to see, you know, is this person, you know, warm and fuzzy? Do they answer the way that you want them to answer? Are they a certain kind of way? And I know um, somebody's going to say, well, I hope, Andre, you're going to talk a little bit about character. So I, I almost want to make the assumption that if you are running an organization, if you are leading in an organization, I almost assume that integrity, honesty, and character, and all of these different things, I just make the assumption that that's the type of uh, team that you would like to build, right? I just make that assumption. And we'll talk a little bit about those things later on in the season, but I just kind of make that assumption, right? Because nobody really wants to work in an environment where you are constantly looking over your shoulder uh, because you cannot trust people, right? And I understand that people are at different stages and different levels of their lives. And so sometimes somebody that you meet at the wrong time in their life, they may not necessarily be a good fit. Maybe they are not honest. Maybe they don't have integrity at one season or one juncture of their life. But maybe a few years later, they may change because life um, happens. And maybe because they've experienced some things since the last time you kind of uh, intersected with them, they've now decided, you know what, I want to be a different person. Person. But I make the assumption that as leaders, when we are looking for people who we would like to work with, I assume that we want to work with individuals who have character, who have integrity, who are honest, who are 
generally nice people, kind people. And of course, kindness has different looks to it, right? Because I've met some people who are not necessarily extroverted. They don't sail a whole lot. They come to work, they do their job, and they leave. And you make the assumption that they don't care or they may not be somebody that you can go to bat with. But the reality is, is that in the midst of crisis sometimes, you find that those that may not necessarily uh, look like or act like the way that you think they should and people that you may count out, those people really do, uh, do show up um, when there is adversity. So when I'm talking about this idea around the ecosystem, what I'm saying is that we as leaders have to be careful that we don't hire people um, or, or try to team build with people who are exactly like us, right? So we know, of course, we have different personality types, introvert, extrovert, sanguine, phlegmatic, and the list goes on. There's like lots of different nuances with the various personalities. But the reality is, if you hire uh, or work with or seek to build a, a team with individuals who are like you, then the truth is more than likely they are also going to have your shortcomings as well, right? So there are some people that I've worked with, uh, you know, on different teams where, you know, when it comes to team meetings, they always look bored. They don't really raise their hand. They don't really have a whole lot to say. And, you know, initially I was like, why are they even here if they don't care? But as time has gone along, I recognize that sometimes the people that talk a lot, they could care, <laughs> they could care less about what's happening. And the people who may not be talking so much, it's not necessarily that they don't care, but sometimes they're not in it for the conversation because what they really want to know is what is the bottom line, right? And you've got some people who are bottom line people. They may not necessarily be at the picnics. They may not come to the Christmas party. They may not do costumes when you're celebrating Halloween, if that's what you believe in, in the office. They don't ever sit in the lunchroom, but deep down, they are completely invested in the organization. It's just they want to know, what do you want me to do? I'm here to do a job. I'm here because I want to be able to participate and make a difference. But I'm not here for all of the different fluff. I'm not here for all of the extra conversations. Tell me what you want me to do, and that is what I'm going to do. But then on the flip side, you've got other people that you will lead, right, where, uh, yes, they are invested and, yes, they care a whole lot about what's happening in the organization, but you've also got to kind of hold their hand in a different kind of way. Uh, they expect that every morning, whether or not you've come into the office and you're feeling good or not, uh, they, they've grown accustomed to you stopping by their cubicle or meeting them in the lunchroom around the coffee machine or around the vending machine, and they've grown accustomed to you um, stopping to see how they're doing. And when you don't ask them how they're doing, they make the assumption that either A, you don't like them, or B, there's something happening, or maybe even C, that they've done something wrong, right? So what you've got is two different extremities of individuals who may be both invested, but their style of doing the work is completely different. And of course, you're wondering, what does this have to do with the ecosystem? Uh, maybe what I'm suggesting early in our conversation today is that you need both the talkers and the quiet ones because they both balance each other out, right? So one of the things that I, I believe is that when we talk about team building and how do you uh, put people 
together to do this work, you have to be able to understand that in order to be productive and in order for you to do things well and in order for your organization and or your team to thrive, you've got to ask yourself, what are the various pieces of the puzzle that you need to put together to ensure that you're building a comprehensive team that will ultimately take you further towards your mission and your vision and your core values, right? So one of the things that I've had to learn the hard way is that you cannot necessarily look at your team and evaluate whether or not you've got a, got a great team unless you are clear on what it is that you are trying to do and why it is that you have uh, selected or handpicked these various individuals, both male and or female, to be a part of the journey, right? Because have you ever seen this, and, and I'm sure we all have, where somebody's uh, being evaluated, right? You know, somebody in upper management, they want to see how you're doing and they've evaluated you and, and this person is doing really, really well and people are like, whoa, how did they get such a high score? They're late all the time. They're not engaging, whatever, whatever. And of course, not everybody that's late is unproductive. So I'm saying that tongue in cheek, right? And then of course, to the individual who's the star person, they're not necessarily doing as well as the other individual that may be a little bit more efficient um, at what they're doing. And how do you determine how you're going to evaluate somebody if you haven't made it clear to them and your organization hasn't made it clear to you um, as to why it is or what it is that we're hoping to accomplish, right? Like ultimately, what is the goal? So as I'm speaking with you, I remember in one of my jobs, um, working uh, somewhere that will remain nameless, right? Uh, I remember there was this one particular lady. Oh my goodness. Um, in my opinion, she was incredible. Um, you know, she answered the phone well. She spoke well. She took her time. Um, she made sure that everything was resolved before the end of the phone call, but she had one problem. Uh, the problem that she had was that at the end of the phone call, when we began to look at how long or the duration of the phone call, she lost a lot of points on the evaluation because she never wrapped up the phone call very well, right? Like she had made up in her mind, and this is the way that she was. She was a meticulous person who believed that it would be better for one person to call in, have their concerns met, and then go, and everything is fixed versus hurrying through to meet the timestamp, right, um, at the cost of that person calling back another time if the issue was unresolved. And so she was on my team, right? Um, she was on my team for a season. And the truth is, I thought, look, what would you prefer, um, somebody to meet the timeline or somebody to be thorough? In those days, I thought it was more important to be more meticulous and make sure that the information was shared properly, et cetera, et cetera, versus being able to say, well, she is meeting the deadline. Now, to those of us that are into time, right, and into the rules and the guidelines that say you've got to be finished within three to five minutes in order to do this, or we're giving you one week in order to do this, and that's the deadline, show me what you got at the end of the time frame. Maybe what I'm beginning to understand now is that particular lady that I'm referencing, she's the star employee, 
Now, I do understand that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be looking at this as an either or quality over quantity, right? Sometimes the comparison is there and maybe sometimes we don't need to necessarily do uh, the comparison. But my thing is, if somebody is hardwired to be thorough and you know that you've got one person on your team that makes sure that they execute, even though they may not necessarily deal with as many people because they're slow and methodical, don't get rid of that person. You keep them there. But because you know that you've got a one or two or three or even 10 of those individuals, maybe the other side to this conversation is this, that maybe it is also important that you have other individuals that may not necessarily be able to fit, um, you know, they're not as thorough as the other person is, but they're able to get to the quantity of individuals that need to be dealt with based on whatever the product is that they are selling or providing for. So unfortunately, um, she went to another team with a different leader, and I'm not saying that I was a better leader than that leader, but when she arrived on that team, uh, that leader killed her. And when I say killed her, it's a metaphor. So please don't send the police to my house wondering, you know, where's the body? It's a metaphor. And really when I say that they killed her is they now forced her into a corner where either she would reduce the amount of time that she spent on each phone call, or she would have to be get um, she would be uh, written up. So she got faster, and here's the thing: as she began to get faster, her quality began to suffer because she was methodical in the way that she did things, but she had to take her time. And here's the thing, after a while, when she changed the way that she did what she was doing, when we would listen to some of the phone calls, we also came to understand that because her style was a little bit different, you can also tell based on the customers that she was dealing with that they weren't having as good a time with her as a representative of the company because she was very short. She actually became more like a lot of the other representatives. She was short. She was to the point. And she, instead of going the extra mile, she was doing just enough to make sure that she didn't bomb the call, but she was also making sure that she met the time constraint. And maybe what I'm talking about is we talk about the ecosystem, and I don't want you to get stuck on, you know, the phone, right? Because this same principle can be, be applied anywhere in any situation. You have to ask yourself, now that we understand, or if you do have some type of a document that is the, the, the guiding light for how you do what you do in your organization, Somewhere in there, you have to have some non-negotiables. And of course, the quality of what you do should never be overshadowed um, by productivity. Because here's what I think. Somebody that takes a little bit longer to get things or explain things, you can coach them so that they get to a point where they're now uh, coming within the, uh, the boundary, the threshold of what you would like to see happen. But if, if quality is not one of the things that you're looking for um, as being one of the central things in your ecosystem, then you may have your, you, you may be able to say, look, everybody is meeting this particular objective, but there are nine other ones that may not be met because you're focused only on the one. So what am I saying? I'm saying as a leader, you've got to say to yourself, based on what we would like to see, 
based on the uh, the core values that we hopefully are repeating over and over time and time again, then this is what I need to build within my ecosystem. So I do need to have some individuals who may not be as friendly as I am. Hopefully they're not rude, but we need some people that are just there to make sure that they get the job done. But on the flip side, you do need to have some other people who have different skill sets. And here's what I've discovered. When you really push people in the direction of the skill sets and the gifts that they have, um, you know, and that's the reason why you bring them on staff, and those are the individuals that you are working with, right? After a while, you can add to the skill sets that they have based on some of the other benchmarks that are required in order for your organization to run well, right? So how often have we dismissed the individuals who are the fun people, right? Like they like the competition. They like to have the music playing in the back background, and somebody's going to be like, we didn't come here to listen to this music we're here to do the work but the reality is those people who are just as productive as, as others are with the competitions and with the uh the different initiatives that the office may have while those people may represent 30 or 20 percent of your office it's still 20 percent of your overall workforce and here's one of the things that i've discovered Depending on who is leading, that often drives uh, the various things that the organization will become. And that's why I've always advocated for having a broader uh, leadership team with varying gifts, with different uh, focal points, because at the end of the day, one person cannot see it all right? We all have different blind spots. We all see things in a different kind of way. And if you have a leader that sits in whatever capacity it may be for a very long time, what you will also identify is that we begin to take on the identity of that particular leader, both good and or bad, right? So the things that we really like, we'll say, yeah, that's great. But I've never met a, a leader that has it all together. Like I've never actually seen a leader and I say to myself, every single thing about what they do is incredible. I haven't seen that in my 47 years, almost 48 years of life. And so maybe you're that kind of leader and you're like, ah, yeah, but I can. I'm, I'm a good leader. I'm able to do it all. And I can do some things that are different and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is you can't. And in order for you to create the type of environment that is going to be good for everybody to be a part of, here's the reality. It has to be different. You've got to have your worker bees. You have to have your self-starters. You have to have your quiet individuals. You've got to have some people that are loud and obnoxious. And as a leader, you've almost got to look at the individuals who may not necessarily be what you would have chosen for your dream team based on what you would like to see. You've got to leave them in there as long as they meet the criteria. And that's what I was talking about earlier, the character, the kindness, um, the respect, you know, some of those as a core value. If they are embodying those things, but there's little things like them uh, sitting with their foot up on the desk, you know, don't put your foot on the desk. No, well, maybe that's the way that they're able to produce a little bit better because now they're comfortable and they are in their element. Like there's some people that I know 
people that would never go to the office with a, without a tie. And then you have some people who would never wear anything but a tracksuit. And here's the thing, right? We've created this idea of what success looks like and what it looks like when you are serious about the work that you're doing and serious about the leading that you're doing. But one of the things that I've discovered now is that you have some incredibly talented people who are sold out for the work that they do, but they don't have the traditional face to them. And so when you're creating this ecosystem, don't assume that you know, because the truth is everybody that walks into your office, they have a different feel to them. They come from a different culture. Their gender is different, where they are in their life. Some are single, some are married, some are older, some are almost ready for retirement. And the list goes on. You can fill in the blanks. But if you don't uh, become more intentional with how you develop your ecosystem, then you will have some things happening, right? Like people leaving the organization that need to be there because you're so focused on one dimension of what the organization looks like that you're not looking in your blind spot. And how do you avoid um, being a victim of a blind spot? You've got to find individuals who don't necessarily lead the way that you lead, but they are just as sold out about the organization and ultimately the ecosystem. You know, I liken it to a orchestra. And the reality is, as much as I like the piano, as much as I like the drums, as much as I like the violin, one of the things that I've now discovered is the more instruments that you have in the orchestra with people who are playing very well, when they all come together, it sounds incredible. And yet at the same time, within that piece, that Mozart, that Bach piece, the reality is there will be times where the director, the leader, is going to pull in some sounds from uh, an, another area in the song. There will be some duets, some trios, some quartets, and there might even be some solos, but that's all part of the overall musical piece and ultimately the ecosystem. So maybe what I'm saying to you um, as leaders, right, and I'm talking to myself as well, we have to create an environment that is building towards the, the uh, desired end, even if it doesn't always look the way that we have it conceptually in our mind. Because here's the thing. If we assume that one person is not a fit because they're not a fit to us, we may actually be firing or driving away a workforce that can bring us to the next level, even though they may not do it the way that we do it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you want to hear from me or have a conversation, bstlinc21 at gmail.com. I've enjoyed this conversation today. And one of the things that I'm learning is in this ecosystem as leaders, we have to embrace those that are building towards the mission, the vision, and the core values of the organization, even if people don't necessarily do it the way that we would do it. Have a good evening. I hope you've enjoyed this, and I'll see you all next week again, Monday, 7 p.m. And listen, don't forget to like, share, and or subscribe so that we can build this platform and get this message of building something that lasts all over the planet. Take care. Until next time. Bye for now.